0: We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call them now. Leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165. And take a peek at their website as well, andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon, all one word, dot com. And of course, there you can ask questions via the listener inquiry button and listen to old shows. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you all. Good morning, Scott. Scott. Talking about CPP and getting the maximum bang for your buck here. Yeah.
1: One of those topics that, uh, you know, people talk about a lot, particularly because they've contributed to it all their lives, mm-hmm. they, uh, then they get near that age 60 and think, well, should I take it out early? And, you know, there seems to be this confirmation bias. They want to find a way to make sure that they're okay with taking it out 60. They don't actually work out the numbers. They simply say, you know, what did you do? And if they find somebody who took it out at earlier, say age 60, they yeah. say, oh, yeah, and how did it work out for it? Oh, it's the best. Yeah. So they find people that took it early so that they can confirm that they would make the right decision also by taking it out at age 60.
0: It's funny you should say that. I was talking to a buddy a few weeks ago, and we were talking about retirement ages and so on and so forth because he's in the public service and, and can can retire early. And uh, he was talking about uh, retiring at a certain age and how he was going to talk to a buddy of his who uh, yeah. was just a master at this and did it the right way. And I'm thinking, well, that's great that you are talking to the buddy who's in the same industry and in the same company to find out how he did it. Right. But wouldn't it be good to take that information and then talk to your financial planner Absolutely. about what you're supposed yes. to do yes, yes. instead of buddy? Yes. Totally
1: unbiased. And it's very interesting. There's a lot of articles written about confirmation bias. And, you know, if you want to say, is ice cream okay for breakfast, you can look that up. And yeah. I'm sure there's articles saying, yes, absolutely. You sure. should have ice cream for <laughs> breakfast. Good but, dairy. You know, it's fantastic. Yeah. Lots of protein, etc. I don't know. A little bit of fat, sugar, but we'll ignore that part. But and the same with CPP. And this is one of those ones that are you people. You got to stick to sorbet. <laughs> 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 so it was this interesting. So what I did, just a, I took a random day this month of a, uh, of the obituaries in the Hamilton Spectator. And so
0: have you got to that age, Don, that that's what you're doing you're reading <laughs> well, the to, obituaries? to be honest, I on Sunday
1: morning with this coffee. <laughs> I thought only my parents did that. I do have a few clients that are getting older, so I do check them right. every day. And uh, so I and there turned out to be 22 deaths on that day, which seems to be kind of a standard. It wasn't yeah. a big day or a small day, just kind of normal. And out of those 22 deaths, 10 were female, and 10 were, sorry, eight were male, and four were, of course, one of those two, but four were under the age of 60. Hmm. Okay? So I I took those four out right away because those people didn't have to decide whether they'd take the CPP at 60. They never made 60. Right. And this is what happens. People will say, okay, they'll average all the ages. And they'll look at it and say, well, the average life expectancy, say, on this particular day of uh, September, was 73.4. Hmm. Okay, well... If that's the average life expectancy, then I probably should take it out around age 60 because the break-even is around 72, 73. Why would I you know, take it out later? Well, take those four people that never made 60. Take them out of the equation. It's quite different, the results. And now this particular day, out of the 10 females, um, the average age of those 10 females was 79.6. Hmm. So almost 80. <coughs> of the eight males, 81.6. So this is actually a little odd because in this particular day, um, the males outlived the females, which is not the norm. Mm. I'm sure if I did this day after day after day. That's a day, good day. Yeah, this was hoping <laughs> to be a better day. <laughs> <laughs> and so I thought, okay, well, it's interesting, but I'll still continue on this kind right. of analysis. And this is the kind of analysis that people should do with their financial planner, making sure they're making a good decision on their Canada pension plan. So looking through that, there, I said, well, what happens if I took it at age 60 versus 65. Uh, Based on the average age of almost 80, uh, 79.6, if you took it at age 60, you would have lost on average $61,000 of Canada Pension Plan Hmm. by taking it out early. Now, that being the case, there was a 63 year old that did, so one did die early out of those females. And on that particular case out of 10 people, he, she mm-hmm. would have lost 35000 by waiting mm-hmm. to 65. Right. So she would have been an outlier. Right. On the other hand, there was one female that lived to 95. And if she had taken it out at age 60 rather than 65, she would have lost $227,000 mm. because she lived far exceeded the average. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then you look at the next question and you think, okay, well, what if I... Uh, What if I say, well, 60 versus 70? Like no, very few people are saying, I want to wait till 70. Mm -hmm. That seems like a a stretch. Well, if I looked at that one step further, still um, the average loss was about $70,000. Not too different actually than the other one that was 61,000. So there's still an average loss. So you're still better off taking it at 70 Mm -hmm. than taking it at 60. Um, That 63-year-old still lost 35,000. Okay. But there was also a 69-year-old Somebody lived to 69, so they would have never received one Canada Pension Plan check. Yeah. Okay. And that person would have been down $95,000 because they're waiting for that 70 to start their Canada Pension. Right. So that's kind of the risk. There's that gambling. Okay, do I, do I push off thinking I'm going to win the, the, long, the longevity lottery mm-hmm. and I'm going to live past <coughs> 70? And uh, well, that person that did make it to 95 they would have been better off by $430,000. $430,000 um, by waiting to 70. To 70. Yeah, because yeah. There's, a, there's a 42% increase mm-hmm. um, from 65 to 70. And there's a 36% penalty, if you will, by taking it at Early. 60 versus 65. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems that the, a lot of people are saying, well, should I take 60 or 65? Well, there's a lot of a lot of data here that suggests you might be better off waiting to 70. Yeah. Now, I've got a program here that actually works out um, life expectancy and of of all ages and smoker status, health status. We, we put all this data in. And certainly the chance of dying before 70 is about 1% for each age prior, even less. So it's quite rare to die prior to 70. Mm-hmm. If you make it to 60, most people actually the, the the most common age, the highest probability was making age ninety. right? Mm. So there's a far better chance of making age ninety than dying at seventy. Really, like far better. Wow, like four times better. yeah, okay. Um, so you look at you look at that and you think, okay, well, the break even at sixty to sixty five was age seventy two. So that was the break even. if you the break even, if you want to say wait till seventy is age seventy six. Okay, so there was one one lady that lived to age 76, so she would have been no worse or better off. Right, right. But out of those people there, um, the ones that between 60 and 65, three were worse off, seven were better off. Wait Sorry, two seven. were worse off. Two mm. were worse off, eight were better off between the 60 and 65 zone. Mm-hmm. Okay, taking it at, at waiting to 65 mm. rather than taking it early. So in this particular case, 80% were better off. Mm-hmm. But the ones that said, I'll wait till 70, it was 30% were worse off and seven were better off. Now, the ones that were better off were far better off than the ones that were worse off. Because the ones that make it past that age 76, there's people that, if I quickly go through here, there was a 95-year-old, as I said, but there was also an 80-year-old, an 86-year-old, and a 92-year-old, far better off. Yeah. And so if, even if you looked at uh, an 82-year-old, um, they would be, oh, I got the data right here, better off by over a hundred and some odd thousand dollars. Waiting okay. till 70. Mm-hmm. Waiting, yeah, waiting. That's, and it's amazing just, just the way, and you really need to go through these numbers. This doesn't take into account tax. And some people actually say, you know, I could always invest that money and do better off. This program actually works that out. This, these, these stats I've just given you suggest you didn't, you just blew the money. So they say, okay, that's that's the women, what about the men? Well, the men wasn't a whole lot different because out of the eight men on that particular day, um, two were worse off and six were better off. But there was one person that lived to 92 people, one went to 97, one lived to 98. Mm -hmm. Nobody made the centurion mark, okay? Mm -hmm. That's getting more and more Mm -hmm. common, nobody hit 100. But that 98 year old would have been better off by waiting to 65 versus 60, if that was his decision. Mm By two hundred sixty thousand,
0: hmm.
1: but that same ninety-eight-year-old, if he waited to seventy versus sixty, would have been better off by more than five hundred thousand dollars. Five hundred thousand dollars of an index-guaranteed pension. These are the things that people are clamoring about, wishing they had. Mm-hmm. We have this Canada Pension Plan, which we do have, but it, we get emotional about it. We go to again. We have confirmation bias. We go talk to the wrong people because we want somebody to tell you, oh yeah, take it out early, it's great. I'm having a fantastic life. (laughs) And what, I know we've done a lot of planning, Andy and I, and we take a look at the situation, and this actually works out all sorts of factors. It takes into your your health status, smoker, non-smoker. You know, just, you can even put in what age you think you're gonna be, you live to. You know, your parents made a 70. Well, maybe you'll make it to 75. Mm -hmm. And what's the exact age? May not be 60, might've been 62. I, I can actually work that out for you and say, okay, what's the optimal age? But it it has no emotion, okay. So as a full plan, we can look at those RSPs, and if the RSPs are being taxed at fifty three and a half percent, if you were to die and you inco- and you had over two hundred twenty thousand dollars in RSPs, because once your income's over two hundred twenty thousand, that is the marginal tax rate fifty three and a half percent. So you can only imagine. Is that the best thing? Then maybe we could. Draw some of the RSPs out and live on that because that's the next question. Well, if I'm not going to take the CPP, where am I going to? How am I going to have a good time? Where am, how am I going to get to Bermuda? Where, what about my lifestyle? I retired for a reason. Absolutely.
0: So use that RSP money earlier and prolong the CPP. Yeah, that way you got the guarantee index
1: pension that can give you the lifestyle you want. And, and it's longevity insurance. So if you live a long time, you have longevity insurance. If you live a short time, then you've cashed in some of the RSPs and you haven't paid as much tax on it.
0: It must be difficult for people to wrap their head around, well, I've got to take this out of my pile of sugar instead mm-hmm. of getting the one from the government. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with that I've contributed all my life. Yeah. See
1: my capital going down. Yeah, right.
0: yeah. Uh,
1: and no question, Scott, that is absolutely the key. But if you did it the other way and say, I'm taking it out at 60 and you didn't live, you did live that long, you oh, good, I made money on that one. Well, then you're going to pay a a big whack on income tax on your Mm RSP because now you weren't able to draw them out early and maybe a bunch of your RSPs are going to be taxed at over 50%. Mm -hmm. So you may lose it on that side, on the taxation, (coughs) rather than getting the Canada Pension Plan early. Either way, it's never good to die young, okay? So from a lot (laughs) of reasons, but strictly from a financial planning reason, the longer you live, your CPP results look out way better and d- stop betting against yourself, look at the odds. Hmm. Now again, if you are a smoker, um, overweight, have diabetes, like you have, a lot of, you have a lot of factors that don't add up, you may want to say, okay, there's, and, and the genes aren't good in the family. Well, you may want to take it at age 60, hmm. no question but if you're if your parents are live to 85 90, then they might you might consider taking
0: it at 70. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson, Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services Inc. Call now, leave a message, they'll return your call at 905-529-7165 and take a peek at the website at andyanddon.com. That's Andy and Don, all one word.com. And, of course, you can listen to old shows there or ask a question via the listener inquiry button. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call them now, leave a message. They'll get back to you at 905-529-7165. And don't forget the website at andyanddon.com. You can ask questions there via the listener inquiry button and listen to old shows. We're going to talk about annuities this break.
2: Annuities. So it's interesting that uh, as Don was talking about the Canada Pension Plan, I was thinking about my topic and I want to talk about which is annuities. And in many ways, there's a lot of similarities in the sense that an annuity, in essence, is going to provide an income for life uh, like Canada Pension Plan. And so with that, I think comes a lot of comfort in terms of peace of mind around your cash flow, etc., and of course, the big one, which is longevity risk, for sure. But what is an annuity? And I just want to step through a few of the um, the ins and outs of, of of annuities, who they might be for, what types they are, and some of the um, just comparing some of the payouts and what that looks like as well today. Um, so basically, an annuity is a contract between an insurance company or a trust company, but, uh, but generally an insurance company for an individual and an individual. And the agreement is to pay, uh, you will pay a lump sum to an insurance company for uh, a promise of a regular payment. And it's important to know that it's a binding legal contract. So it can't be changed once it's, uh, once it's issued. The income schedule can never be changed. It cannot be canceled. Uh, the annuity payments will stop at death unless there was a guarantee period and we'll talk more about that uh if the if there's a guarantee period and you die after that there's no money paid to you and finally you can select a guarantee period usually there's a minimum five years up to 20 years and usually a 20 year guarantee means that you're going to get back all of your original money mm-hmm. or, or then some. So there really is two types of annuities. There's a life annuity. So as the title says, you basically get an income for life and there are term certain annuities and term certain annuities are an interesting twist and they can kind of dovetail into what Don was talking about. So if you wanted to retire at 60, you could take a term certain annuity with your RRSP money that will pay you for 10 years from 60 to 70, basically what you would have received from Canada Pension Plan out of your RRSPs, right? right? So you can bridge that income gap and lifestyle gap till 70, and then your CPP kicks in, right? right? But uh, generally, uh, we're I want to talk more about the life annuity and- uh, Finally, an annuity can be purchased with your non-registered money, so your investments or cash, or it could also be purchased with registered assets, so your RSP money, um, your pension money, that type of thing, it can become a RIF or a LIF can be used to purchase them as well. You can also have an impaired life annuity, and an impaired life annuity doesn't mean you're drunk, it just means <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, you've had a health issue, or uh, which is severe, prolonged, And the expectation is that it will diminish your life. Mm -hmm. And so under an impaired annuity, you basically would submit your health information for underwriting to the insurance company. They will assess the impact of that on your normal mortality, your normal lifespan, and then they will increase, if they agree with the findings, they will increase your payout from the annuity to reflect a shorter lifetime. Okay. Okay. So, but generally most of us are thinking about annuities are going to be life annuities where they pay out for life. And so you would
0: take a lump sum and put it into this and then draw on it. Correct. every So, okay. correct.
2: So in a, an annuity today is really an important factor, I think, because the baby boom generation, we're all starting to retire. And at the same time, the truth is we're living longer. So mm-hmm. life expectancy has increased um we're in a period of continued and it's still relatively low interest rates the uh so the opportunity then to derive an income from bonds which have a a more set income expectation a set rate of return for a period of time you simply have to have a lot more money with low interest rates to be able to produce yeah. a similar cash flow that say our parents would have uh during a period of higher interest rates um And generally, you know, Canada pension plan and old age security, which are sort of the two, two legs of the table, uh, are generally not enough for most people to cover off all of their lifestyle expenses and, and maintain their standard of living. And there's basically been a number, there's been a big decline in the number of Canadians that are enrolled in registered pension plans Mm -hmm. that provide a guaranteed payout for life as well. Mm. So all of these factors are coming together to sort of point to different ways of producing, lifetime income that has guarantee and safety associated with it um so when talking about life annuities i think the um the main thing again to understand is that a life annuity provides your payments for the life of the annuitant and the annuitant is simply the name they give to the individual who now owns that annuity contract and the main thing that when you purchase a life annuity is you're transferring two types of risk, two types of retirement risk today over to the insurance company. Number one is longevity risk. That's now their responsibility. They have to pay you for the rest of your life. And number two is market volatility risk. And market volatility risk is kind of overlooked because particularly in the last 10 years, we've seen pretty much the market's gone up and we've all felt pretty comfortable and favorable returns have helped us become more comfortable with the risk associated with the market. But when the coin flips over the other way and we start to see more volatility or declines in the market, mm-hmm. having ins, insulating yourself from that market volatility risk is suddenly going to be a lot more valuable. Ah, yes,
0: makes and sense.
1: And I, and we all live both in and I live through that uh, kind of the feelings of our clients 10 years ago, mm. almost to the day. Okay? Yeah. And to think that they would want to take more risk at that time, those were not things that I heard from clients at that time No, they were always wanting to pare down risk now that we've seen good market conditions over the last ten years well, maybe we should take on more risk no we've got to really look at the overall and try to find what would you do in bad circumstances and that's really your risk tolerance Mm -hmm. and annuities may be part of that overall risk tolerance
2: yeah so you can sort of dovetail them together Uh, It doesn't have to be all of one or all of the other. You can uh, combine them. I think that's where a a financial planner who is you know, exploring all the different ways to provide income for you during retirement should be considering an annuity and how that might fit into your situation. So
0: as you're taking money out of your RSPs, this might be something you would put it into?
2: Exactly. So you would convert a portion. We'll we'll run some examples. If you had a hundred thousand dollars and you had an, that was RSP money, then you purchased an annuity with it. What kind of payout would you get? And what would the expectation be from that? So, um, the only, I guess one risk with an annuity is what we would call mortality risk in the sense that if you put in a hundred thousand dollars and the the annuity was going to pay you, you know, uh, $5,000 a year. Well, if you don't live 20 years, you're going to get less back than you put in originally. Mm-hmm. And very, so. Very
1: similar to the conversation we had about CPP. Exactly. Yeah. You know, right? people though, I want to get my money back out. So I better take it early kind of thing. And the same What's my break even point kind mm-hmm. of
2: thing. And so, um. What often people will consider is adding a guarantee period. In other words, a guaranteed number of monthly payments. F- and, and if you die before that guarantee is up, your estate or your spouse or your beneficiary will continue to receive payments for that guaranteed period. Right. And so generally, um, 15-year guarantee gets you pretty darn close to paying back what you originally put in for most annuities, depending on the age when you start. And we'll run through some examples.
0: Theoretically though, don't you want to come out with more at the end? I mean, is breaking even? Right. So this is if you die early. So this is,
2: this is the mortality risk if you die early. Right. But in general, what we're, what we're contemplating is that I want to protect that longevity. Right. So, um, And and this will factor into a lot of things. You know, if you're single, if Mm -hmm. you are married with a surviving spouse, you want to make sure that they're going to be protected and their lifestyle is going to be uh, protected after your death. So um, how the annuity can fit into that, we can have what we call a joint and last survivor annuity. So under a joint last survivor annuity then, or sometimes just called last survivorship, the annuity payment is going to be based on two lives. So in this case, a husband and wife or husband, husband, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Two lives can be uh, insured and at the first death, the payments continue until the last death. So there's no stoppage. You could elect to have a, um, a lower payout after the first death and hence, and get more money up front. So there's a few twists and turns in terms of choosing which version you want of the joint and last survivor, but, um. Once you, if you've attached a guarantee period, let's say 10 years, after 10 years of payments, if you both die in a joint survivor annuity, then that is it. There's mm-hmm. nothing left over. So really you are impacting your estate right. more than anything else, because at that point, you know, you're dead. You don't have any other expenses to worry about. Mm-hmm. Longevity risk is no longer an issue. Exactly. Uh, it's just your beneficiaries that might be a little saddened that that was the end of the payments.
0: Uh, that being said, is it worth to do something like this when at the end it expires and you have nothing as opposed to passing that on to your estate if it's an investment?
2: If that's if that's an important, so again, there's no cash value to Mm -hmm. an annuity after the guarantee period when you die. So that's it. It stops, done. Uh, there is a, um, a strategy called an insured annuity in which strategy we would insure one life. Uh, with no guaranteed period, but then attach a separate life insurance policy that would be equivalent to the face amount of the annuity. So if I took, if I was going to put a hundred thousand dollars into an annuity, I would take a portion of my monthly payments and buy a hundred thousand dollar life insurance policy so that if I die, a hundred grand comes back to my estate. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have less money to play with on a monthly basis because part of it's Mm -hmm. going to the insurance and you have to be insurable, but it is an important. So if, if creating a larger estate and you felt that this would impact this type of estate value that you want to transfer to the next generation, Mm -hmm. then, um, then the annuity either is going to become a smaller portion of your strategy, right, right, right. or we would attach life insurance to it called right. an insured annuity. Right. So who are the prospects for life annuities? Basically, uh, individuals who might benefit from a life annuity are persons who need or want more guaranteed income to cover their basic needs. Uh, these are, could be for early retirees. It could be for someone with a family history of longevity. It could be for conservative investors who desire guarantees with no volatility. It could be a need to reduce your taxable income or minimize the effect of old age security clawbacks. It could be, um, you have a high income need, but low asset levels. Okay. So you can get a more payout from these. And finally, the assured annuity for income maximization plus estate conservation, which was the concept we talked about. And, um, so. When you think about uh, the person considering a life annuity, they should be asking themselves, you know, what is my life expectancy? Is there longevity in my family? Um, will the annuity payments after income tax provide a sufficient income? So, this comes back to our work in terms of understanding your cash flow. What are your needs for your retirement lifestyle? Number three, and we talk about this how important is it to leave a legacy to heirs or to a charity? Uh, how much value is it to receive monthly income that is not affected by economic conditions? So whether it's a recession right. or anything volatility, not affected. And am I comfortable with foregoing potentially higher volatile returns with portfolio investments? Which comes back to what you were asking. Yeah. right? So that's the trade-off. You know, you're, you're you can't the. Unfortunately, there's no perfect right. investment that's <clears throat> going to give you the, the highest return without the low volatility, the with all of these things, yeah. all the guarantees that are associated mm-hmm. with it. So it's a balancing act. Right. Okay. Um, so if I think about what would be the sort of comparisons or the payouts, the first thing I want to look at is age. So a male age 60 today, if you took $100,000 with a life annuity, a 10-year guarantee period, monthly income and this is a male, and this is RSP money, at age 60, they could get $471 a month, $471.34. If they wait till 65, they would get $538.40, a $67 increase. If they wait till 71, $601.87. So of an individual, the difference between age 60 and 71 is a 28% increase in the amount that you would receive on a monthly basis. Okay, so there's a fine line then in terms of deciding when to start your annuity. And generally, I would say before 65 or or older would be ideal, sort of Mm -hmm. the sweet spot. And um, then the next question is, what's the difference between single and joint annuities in terms of payouts? So in this example, same $100,000, it's RSP money, a life annuity, 10 years, guaranteed monthly income. The male and female are both age 65. So the single life would be $538.40. The joint last survivor, and this would mean no reduction for the survivor on the first death, would be $445. So a difference of $93 is a reduction that you would get on a monthly basis so that the same payment would continue to your spouse after your death. okay. So basically that's... um, that's a reduction of about 17%, which is not a ton at the end of the day. Um, and I think it, um, it also, it adds another level of peace of mind, yeah. right? So this will carry on for both lives. And then finally, the, last, the, the one, last piece I want to talk about is the guarantees. You know, should I do a zero guarantee, five years, 10 years, 15 years, or 20 years? And this is like adding options to a vehicle or anything like that. It just gets more expensive, meaning that you're going to get less money on a monthly basis. So we'll go back to our example, male age 65, RSP money, $100,000 is the premium they're going to invest in this. It's a life annuity with a monthly income. And so at age with no guarantees, $558. So I get $558 a month at 65 for the rest of my life. If I add a five year guarantee, I will have a reduction of $7.82. Hmm. If I add a 10 year guarantee, the reduction is $19.60 a month. 15 year guarantee is a reduction of $37.50 and the 20 year guarantee gives me a drop of and i didn't add this up <laughs> uh it's around um uh 70, 60 dollars a month so the 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 reduction is for 5 years is 1.4% for 15 years a reduction of 6.7% and so 15 years if you add it up in this example uh after 15 years if the person died say after five years, they would continue to receive payments for an additional 10 more years. Mm -hmm. And the total payout would be 93,690 of their original hundred grand. Mm. Uh, If they went for the 20 year guarantee and they died after five years, they would receive 119,500 total payout. So uh, from the original hundred. Right. And uh, so I think adding a guarantee makes sense. Um, the only time you would not add a guarantee is if you're going to use the insured annuity strategy. where you are going to attach a separate life insurance right, policy right. that will replace the capital. But in general, picking an annuity, I would say it's it probably makes sense to go with at least 15 years in terms of a guarantee. And everybody's circumstance will be slightly different. And then 20 years might be ideal if you want to just make sure that whatever you put in plus some is going to come back to your beneficiaries or your estate.
0: We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Call now. Leave a message at 905-529-7165. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson, Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services Inc. Check out the website at andyanddon.com as well. Call now, leave a message, they'll return your call at 905-529-7165. Taking vacations good for your health. How yes. can it how can it not be? Now, of course it is. <laughs> but
1: <laughs> but just before I get to that, I did want to go over and and we would just talk about risk management and Andy was going over, you know, longevity risk where annuities um, are, the, uh, are a great way to protect against living a long life mm-hmm. as we talked about earlier you know one individual here lived to 98 another 97 another 92 another 95 out of those 22 people four in their mid to late 90s yeah and so having some protection on the longevity risk is important and really I like to look at it differently this is burden risk people do not want to be a burden to their kids, mm, okay? Point. That's one mm-hmm. of the biggest things I hear from clients that says, I just don't want to be a burden, which is really the same thing as having longevity, um, is to protect longevity risk. Now, mortality risk, if you die early, that's what we were talking about early with Canada Pension Plan. Well, what if I die early? I never, I put all that money into it, I never get it back. That's mortality risk, and as Andy mentioned, what if I put money into an annuity and I died early? Then you can get a five-year or 10-year term. Then there's interest rate risk, if interest rates rise, there's risk because if you lock your money in, or if they drop and uh, and you have your money not locked in, you know there's risk in interest rates too. So even GICs, they'll go one year or five year. There's risk either way you go. And also the rate of return is higher or lower, depending on what you pick. There's tax risk. Different investments are taxed differently. And trying to get the optimal tax strategy so that you're ne- not trying to avoid that 53 and half percent tax bracket is always a key goal of mine. Inflation risk indexing well indexing just means if you have a pension that your pension goes up with inflation every year and only one type of investment does well actually two i suppose your house generally keeps up with inflation as does um investments such as uh, equities stocks keep up with inflation but it's kind of funny it's the best protector against inflation but this is the risk everybody thinks about capital risk and that's in case your money goes down you know, we hear about, uh, you know, what if this uh, NAFTA or the MC, I don't even know what, how to say, US- USMCA. Thank you, so easy. It just rolls <laughs> off the tip of your tongue. USMCA, I'll get to it soon. The, you the, can rejuggle that and it will also say you scam. <laughs> <laughs> or, or Camus. I like the Camus one. I yeah, read that yeah, one the yeah, other that day. Is, That's a good one. Yeah. But I didn't think Trump would like mm. the Camus one. But anyway. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> not with Canada first. Exactly. <laughs> no, 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 no. Exactly. But anyway, what our job is as financial planners is managing all those six risks I just mentioned and trying to find the right um, solution to take in and get the best scenario that manages those risks. And not one strategy is the best strategy. But we do want to live longer. And apparently... And a lot of studies, taking vacations is good for your health. Mm. And Canadians left on average three unused vacation days on the table um, last year, which represents 31 million unused vacations days in 2016. 31 million that they're working and they may never even get that. Yeah. Extra productivity. Yeah. And they're thinking, well, you know, one study actually in the Journal of uh, American Associ- uh, Medical Association found that men that take frequent annual vacations were 32% less likely to die from heart disease as people that didn't take any vacation. Mm-hmm. So a third big difference. Another one that was on women um, said that women who took vacations once every six years or less were eight times more likely to get coronary heart disease or have a heart attack than, wi- than women that took at least two vacations a year. So a lack of vacations do, does increase stress levels, depression, anxiety, anxiety and life expectancy can, can you take too many vacations i you know <laughs> funny
0: enough it doesn't seem to do that possibly job but only when your financial uh, planner calls you to say you're running out you're of money out.
1: <laughs> well it's kind of interesting they so really what it came down to is three main things about vacation planning plan early if you have a tough time using those vacation days mm. try mm-hmm. to plan it six to twelve months and immediately block off those days in your calendar sure. and it gives you
0: something to look forward to. exactly yeah exactly no <laughs>
1: question um don't be afraid to delegate it's interesting because uh, a lot of people fear that they don't want to be a burden to their colleagues with those extra time while they're away they may even fear losing their uh, promotion or a job if they let somebody else do it for them turns out after researching this in a u.s travel association um, showed that people who took fewer than 10 of their vacation days per year had 34.6 percent likelihood of receiving a bonus oh huh, that sounds pretty good so i guess if i take don't use all my vacation days. I get like a 33% better chance of getting a bonus. Comparatively, people that took more than 10 of their vacation days had a 65% chance of getting a bonus. Uh-huh. <laughs> Cha-ching. There you go. So, so I guess it turns out that, no, there is. You can take more time off. Yeah. And it doesn't affect. Actually, it helps your career. Wait a
0: sec. Who gets a bonus nowadays? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Good point. Um, and it, it really, if you're self-employed, and there's probably the worst for yeah, taking vacations because you know, when they work longer hours, there is no such thing as a 40-hour work week. It's whenever the job's done. They wake up thinking about it, they go to bed thinking about it, and there's you know whatever the new rules or regulations are constantly changing. So it's tough to be self-employed and have somebody look after the shop while you're away. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, no way. But yes, the same thing apply to self-employed people for the health concerns. So we really want people to live a long life and particularly when it comes to money, we don't want people to underlive. We want mm-hmm. people to take that money they've saved and have a fantastic life. So it really comes down to what we've said for years. In fact, when I first started Investors Group, the adage was pay yourself first. Yeah. Put some money aside on every check, just like an employee does. There's a part that goes for, for vacation days. And put that money away in a side account and have a, an automatic transfer so that you can have some holiday time so you don't get a financial hit and make vacations a priority so that you can enjoy all this financial planning we've been
0: doing for you. That's right. That'll exhaust you right there. (laughs) Uh, We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Check out the website at andyanddon.com or call now and leave a message 905-529-7165. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call and leave a message now. They will return your call at 905 529 7165. And don't forget their website at andyanddon.com. You can listen to old shows there and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. We're talking about uh, snowbirds, but you also want to uh, finalize with some annuities. Yeah,
2: we were just we were talking off air about annuities, and the question came up about what um how much if interest rates are going up how much will that impact the payout from annuities going forward and um there's certainly some key factors in terms of the annuity rates um number one uh you know the down um, uh your life expectancy, Uh, short-term investment returns, long-term investment returns, administrative expenses, commissions, deferral period, guarantee period, payment frequency, corporate taxation, profit levels. So all of those have a big factor on it, number one being your life expectancy. But the strategy around interest rates and where we're at in the cycle right now would be similar to what you might do with GICs today. So if you were going to buy Um, GICs thinking that rates are going to go higher, Mm -hmm. you would want to be short term, right? You'd buy a one year, hopefully renew it next year at a higher rate, et cetera, et cetera. And what a lot of people will do is they'll hedge or they'll ladder their GICs. So I'll have a one year a three year, and a five year. And then when it matures, I'll lock it into either a longer term or shorter term, depending on where interest rates are going at that time. So you you don't put all your eggs in one basket. Well, the same thing can be very true about an annuity. So if I'm 65 and I've got 300 grand in RSPs, instead of buying one annuity right now with 300 grand, I could buy one now, one at 67 and one at 71. Mm -hmm. So, and we actually run those numbers, you end up with a lot more monthly payout by deferring a little bit and hedging yourself. So you can ladder your annuities as well as your GICs. The final thing I wanted to say about that is that the income from an annuity uh, qualifies for the pension credit. So once you're 65 or older, $2,000 of it is eligible for the pension credit. It's also eligible for income splitting. And this is also true for non-RSP annuities. So if I had 100 grand cash and I invested into annuity, And I'm over 65, the interest component is considered pension income and I can split with my spouse. Hmm. So, normally a joint account, a joint investment account, it's either 50 50 between spouses or it's 100% one or the other and you can't switch back and forth. With the annuity, you can actually have the flexibility. You could change every year how much of the interest is reported on each of your return or your spouse's return. So, that's kind of a cool little feature as well. Anyway, so enough about annuities. Just want to talk quickly about snowbirds. We've got people that are starting to make their plans for their journey down south again Mm. and uh, October's here. So just a quick 10 point list and we're happy to um, email this out to you if you want to get a copy of it, just send us a note. So protecting your nest before you leave the snowbirds, number one, some obvious things, but stopping your mail, right? Mm. Um, Have your mail either forwarded to your winter address or stop the mail service. Uh, Don't change your... Don't change your address with your financial institutions Mm because if they think you're out of country, that's going to change the taxation on some of your investments, et cetera. Uh, Mm -hmm. Simply stopping the service or have the mail forwarded to your winter address. Number two, suspend all deliveries like newspaper, et cetera, Mm -hmm. if you're getting a regular newspaper and some of them are free, right? And they just show up at your door. So that's that's another issue altogether, but we'll talk about that. Um, Number three, shut shut off the water and your main drain pipes to avoid freezing, bursting and flooding a uh, story close to home here, mom and dad head off to Florida and we had convinced them that's a, you know, this is what they should be doing in retirement. Well, the fir- if not the first winter, they do it there's a pipe that bursts. Uh, no. And so when I was checking on the house, I'm looking at the garage and the, the car is like covered in a, in a oh. sheet of ice.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> it had wow. burst
2: in the garage, you know, the garden right, holes in the garage yeah. outlet and was spraying mist over top of the oh, cars man. and it was covered in like six inches of ice. Oh, so that was the end of Florida vacations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> almost, really. that was almost the end of it. We didn't tell them until they got back. <laughs> yeah. um, check your water pipes in colder areas of your home, the attic, etc., to make sure they're insulated. Number five, place all stay at home valuables in a safety deposit box. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number six, throw out any food that will spoil while you're away. So you may as well clear Ooh, out yeah. the free, because it's easy yeah. enough for the, f- the power could shut off. If you don't have a backup generator, freezer is going to go bad. Um, number six, seven, put indoor and outdoor lights on timers. So they'll go on and off at appropriate times. Number eight, have someone check your house at least once a week while you're away. It's obviously a prudent thing to do, but a lot of insurance companies yeah, require that as well, yeah. right? In case a
1: pipe bursts and, you're, and you're your car's right. underwater. <laughs> yeah.
2: Exactly. Uh, number nine having someone shovel the snow, your walkways, clearing off those papers that are left everywhere, et cetera, on a regular basis. So it looks like there's somebody around and paying attention. Uh, And number 10, for personal protection, you want to leave photocopies of your passports and other travel documents with a family member or friend, just in case those get lost. Good idea. And finally, sometimes a power of attorney may be necessary, depending on which country you're in. uh, You may have to arrange that in the country where you're at to be able to have someone look after financial affairs while you're away as well. So your financial life never stops. That's one thing. And uh, although most financial advisors cannot take, cannot give instructions to you or give advice to you while you're out of the country because we're not licensed. Really? That's right.
0: Oh, wow. But we can receive
2: instructions from you. Ah. Okay. So 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 if you're in
0: Florida, you can't phone your p- financial plan? You can. You
2: can, say, uh, you can say, Andy, I need uh, five grand. Right. We're doing a, a weekend getaway to Bahamas. Yeah. Um, I can redeem five grand, except you'd have to tell me where you want it from. Right. You know, RSP, right. non-registered, et cetera. But if uh, I cannot phone you up in Florida and say, and by solicit. the way, we should change your investment from X to Y. Wow. I think that's so a So do that ahead of time. Of Get Exactly. That all exactly. Yep. Yeah. So... Check in with your financial advisor, make sure that uh, everything is sort of status quo and, uh, and, you know, and, and tell them about any sort of contingencies or things where you might need some money as well.
0: And enjoy. We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox have been here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Call now. Leave a message at 905-529-7165. They'll return your call. And don't forget the website, andyanddon.com. You can listen to old archive shows there and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a great week. Thanks, Thanks, Scott. Scott.